Education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. 101.9 We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 discussing education, how to make the world a better place, how to make us better people, how to influence the people we care about, the people we love, the community, or anybody. Just make the world a pleasant and nice place we want to live in. Today, um, I feel very distant from Israel and what's happening there because over there, um, as lots of you know, they are in elections for the fir- third time in this year, which means a lot of discussion, a lot of talk, a lot of, um, I'd say, barriers and discussion and conflict and, you know, what politics are like. So here, we're actually going to be talking about communication. The, we'll go with the complete opposite, and we will go towards communication, development, milestones, um uh, problem solving, uh, maybe we even have time to go into uh, hearing, into, um, I mean, any uh, physical work around uh, speech therapy or anything we could look at. Uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot to discuss today, so I actually think what we're going to go straight into it. Uh, today we have on the show Nadine Breaker, who is a speech therapist, uh, well known in the community, but what wasn't, I think, so well known in the community. She is also an, a rheologist, so we can maybe have time to discuss that as well, but we will start with, with the speech therapy, and let's go right to it. Good afternoon, Nadine. Thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon, and thanks for having me on the show. Okay. So, there is so much to discuss because many times I hear from parents, yeah, my child was at speech or my child was at OT or whatever it is. And sometimes we don't even realize what a wide range of things speech therapists actually work with. And um, parents, when they come and ask me, do you think we need a speech therapist? I say, even so, let's see what and where. And everybody has their areas and their passion. And there is a lot to touch on. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, first of all, a bit about you before we start. You are you have private practice. What do you? Yes, I'm a speech therapist in private practice. I work um, mostly with children. Uh, I work at a school, Bishop Avon School, and I work from home as well. Um, and I've got experience with babies all the way through to uh, school age children. Um, and uh, I really enjoy my work, and I'm very very passionate about children and their language development. Okay, so when we talk about uh, develop, language development, okay, let's you know let's go dive straight into the core. There are quite a few milestones that we want the kids to achieve, and if they don't achieve them, that should be a red flag or something for us to look into and check. Let's start seeing the milestones from a young age. Yeah, so 
parents only uh, parents seem to think that language development develops when that child starts speaking their first word, but the truth is language development development starts from in utero, and even when the child is in the mom's tummy. Uh, that child, that baby can hear the sounds of the language around them. They can start identifying dad's voice as opposed to mom's voice. So already it starts from a much, much earlier stage. There's a lot of research about music and playing music to the child while they're still in utero. Um, and, and that all helps with the brain development and those connections. When you say music, you mean music with lyrics or any music? Um, I believe classical music is best, but I think any music will be great as well. <laughs> so how does, how does classical music develop speech? Well, I'll tell you an interesting um, research article, actually. If, if uh, There was a, a study done by a whole lot of children who were adopted um, in the Netherlands, so they grew up learning Dutch, but they were adopted from Korea from the age of six months. So even though they had grown up speaking Dutch as their first language, when they were exposed to Korean as adults, they could identify a whole lot of the speech sounds in Korea much better than first language Dutch children or Dutch adults um, could identify. And that just goes to show that even before six months of age, um, children learn so much. And we aren't even aware of it a lot of the time just because they're not necessarily responding to us. But that uh, foundation, that fundamental level in the brain of learning sounds, learning language, learning words, being exposed, being stimulated, is so, so important for future development later on. So the step one, you'd say the first milestone that we can do, not knowing something's even wrong or anything, just as a milestone to start with is during pregnancy even to start playing yeah. music, listening to music, etc. It's not necessarily a okay. milestone, but it's really great just to stimulate um, the baby's brain. Right. Um, even when once they're born, from birth to five months, the baby will so start I want to say to before you go into once they're born, yes, because yes. not long ago I met um, a speech therapist who told me that she treated her child for the first time with speech, actually when she was holding him for the first time, when she was still during... During, during giving birth, she saw that his grip and the way he was opening his mouth. So what is the first step you can see? Uh, are you talking about straight after birth? Yes. <laughs> well, there, there's something called the baby crawl, which, um, without even helping the baby to, to feed, uh, the baby instinctively and naturally can latch onto, to the mom's, um, to the mom and start to feed, which is really an amazing instinctive thing. So um, I also saw a video on YouTube the other day where the dad throughout the pregnancy had really tried to speak to this baby, you know, in utero as much as possible. And the baby was born and the dad started speaking to the baby for the first time, you know, um, outside in the world. And the baby recognized dad's voice and started to smile and baby wasn't even an hour old yet. So oh, really? the, the brain, I, I think we take for granted a lot of the time just because the child can't respond to us, just because they can't necessarily answer us back, doesn't mean that there is so much going on in terms of their receptive language and their understanding. And again, it's building that fundamental or that foundation level for language milestones to build on later on once the oral uh, development can take place and then they can start forming speech sounds that we can understand. Okay. Um, it's okay, so now we need to go into the actual milestones. <laughs> uh, it's about time. And, but before that, anything that well, any of the listeners, you want to ask Nadine, you want to share, you want to say something or anything you want to know about speech therapy, I'm here in studio with Nadine Bricker, speech therapist in the community. 34519 is an SMS line. 061-895-1019 is a telegram. Or you could even call 010-140-3020.
Okay. Okay, so getting onto some of the milestones. Um, from birth to five months, the baby will vocalize, they will giggle, they will laugh, they will fuss, they will cry, they will coo. Um, and if you put the babies um, in front of you so that you can make direct eye contact with that baby, um, they might even start mimicking your mouth movement. So if you're opening your mouth and saying bye or, you know, singing to them, they might even start mimicking you. Um, and they might even try and respond by making a gurgly kind of noise, which is still quite primitive, um, but it is the underlying foundation for the development to, of language to happen later on. So when you say one uh, birth to five months, you're saying, A, this is the time to expect it, but also if it doesn't show up by five months, then? Um, look, I really do believe that moms know. Moms have a gut instinct when it comes to their children. They they know when something's not quite right. And often moms go and they seek advice from their friends or their, you know, the older generation, their grandparents, and they say, what should I do? And everyone's like, oh, don't worry. My son was three before he started talking or my child was five and he didn't say a word until he turned five. Um, and I do think that perhaps that child didn't need intervention until they were that age for whatever reason but we're now living in an age where we are so much more knowledgeable and we know that early intervention is key the younger the child gets input and intervention for whatever the difficulty might be the better the outcome later on okay and then that i have to say before we take a break sometimes i hear that and sometimes i see older kids that come to me to, to the work we do and that you've seen as well and they're 12, they're 15, uh, etc. And for 10 years, the parents would have said, we would say something like, my child never spoke till the age five and he's fine and she's fine and don't worry. And then we only find the challenge at age 12 or 14 or 15. So just because somebody's saying, don't worry, um, by me it was fine, it's not necessarily that you can ignore your instinct. Absolutely. Okay. On that note, we do need to take another, another first ad break for today. Short break and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 High FM, by G. We are back in the middle of a very interesting, um, interview with or discussion, I'd say, with Nadine Bricker, speech therapist here in the community. And we are just in the beginning of the milestones to identify, to see whether your child is developing um, as we would expect and wish and hope. And Nadine mentioned before the break the first milestone of just copying the mom and responding to the lips movement and noises, etc. Before Nadine moves on to the second point, if there's anything you want to add or ask about milestones, about anything... Uh, you can, 34519 is the SMS line, or if you want through Telegram, 061-895-1019. You want to call, 010-140-3020. Okay, so the second okay. milestone. The second milestone. So I've got between the age of 6 to 11 months, um, and this is a time of tremendous growth, um, and they can understand a lot. So often if you say to an eight-month-old child, no, they understand what no means, or if you say, give me the shoe, they can understand that, but they may not be able, I mean, they won't be able to repeat that, obviously, because the oral development hasn't happened just yet. Uh, they start to babble. They'll it's say, when they get older that they don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, the, That's funny. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, they start to babble. They'll say, ba-ba-ba. Um, 
and they start to use gesture. So they might not be able to point at six months, so they'll use their whole hand. But by the time they're um, nine months or ten months, they'll start to point to something that they want. They'll try and repeat sounds that they're hearing around them. Um, and they might even say that first word. And that first word is just a, a tremendous milestone. Um, and uh, from the age of 11 to 12 months, and generally when I'm speaking about milestones, every child is different. So there's a three-month um leeway on either side that they'll develop that milestone either before the expected age or after. So you're saying till about 14 months, don't worry about if the child doesn't yes. pronounce anything? Yes. Um, because, you know, we always have to find the balance between um, don't just wait around for five years, but at the same time, mm. don't don't be hysterical. Yes. Don't panic. Absolutely. And there are professionals who can consult with you over the phone unless they do want to see your child and, and uh, give you more um specific advice um, but generally at this age we're looking for the pre uh, the pre-communication skills so the eye contact the gesture the fact that they're trying to engage with you even though they may not have the skills to engage with you just yet um, but that they're almost there so that's really okay. what we're looking for okay okay um, from the age of 12 to 17 months, they start to develop vocab more and more. So maybe when they were 12 months, they could just say mama and dada. And now it starts to expand to things like juice, ball. Most of it's nouns, most of it's common nouns. Uh, they might start to develop some verbs as well. And then when they hit 18 months, they can start to combine those nouns and verbs together. So they'll say mama come or they'll say mama up, which is a, a noun and a preposition. But that's the basis of them developing their little sentences in their own grammatical structure. Okay. So this is where we kind of start um, transferring from um, when we talk about speech. speech. Um, until now, we were focusing more on communication, and it doesn't really matter how the child communicated, um, right verbs, nots, or whatever, as long as there was mm -hmm. some form of communication. Mm -hmm. And you'd say 18 months would probably be the time that we'd say, okay, so now we want to see more accurate communication, more words coming together in a sentence, putting together properly, and not only the fact that the child is communicating. Yes, absolutely. And their receptive language, their understanding is developing more and more as well. So if you're showing them a picture, you can say, show me the mommy next to the ball or whatever it is, and then they'll be able to identify that. Because remember, the receptive language is developing at a faster rate than the expressive language at this stage. Okay. Okay. So how do we – I, I want to focus on that because that's sometimes the things that I see that get lost along the way. The receptive language. Mm-hmm. How do we define it? How do we kind of monitor that it's there and it's happening properly? Receptive language is not speaking. It's the pointing. It's the getting something or listening to an instruction and doing that instruction. It's not necessarily saying anything yet. The expressive language is the output. So if they saw something in the garden and it's really exciting and they come to you and they say, oh, Mommy, I saw a lizard in the garden. Or, Mommy... Look, you know, whatever it is that their language skill is at, um, that would be the expressive output. Um, not to confuse, just to throw another span in the works, is the speech. So remember, as the child grows and their oral development grows, um, they start to produce more and more speech sounds. Now, when a child is two to three years old, their speech will not be intelligible. Intelligible means being understood by others or specifically being understood by strangers. So when a child is two to three years old, they're only going to be understood 50% of the time, and if it's more than 50% of the time, that's great. <laughs> and okay. the reason why... Is because learning to speak is difficult. So the children, being very clever, typically developing children, they simplify it for themselves. So instead of saying tomato sauce, they'll say motor sauce. Instead of saying um, 
I don't know, instead of saying clap, they'll say cap or they might even say lap because they're just trying to simplify it to give you the message that they want to convey. And as they grow, those are called phonological processes. As they grow, those phonological processes fall away and their speech becomes more and more distinct. Okay. So I want, before we even discuss the speech per se, <laughs> I, I do want to take you back to the receptive okay. and to the, um, the receptive end. I need the word. Expressive. Expressive, exactly. <laughs> okay, that's the word I forgot. Fun <laughs> enough. Um, so the thing is like this. Sometimes we get a child that their expressive is actually developed more than their receptive. Which means, um, how do I identify if we have a child that is giving us a story but is losing the, the, the core of a story? Okay, which is something, let's say, a child comes to you and not saying there's a lizard in the garden and saying it's green and it's walking and it's big. Okay, so very, mm. very, very accurate, very detailed, but we're losing the story. Well, what, what I'm really enjoying in this discussion is that um, it's so important for adults to tune into their children's language and what they're saying. You know, when we're talking about a child's gross motor skills, you can see them jumping or climbing. When you were looking at them with their fine motor, you can see them cutting or, or writing neatly. With language, because it's not something you can see, you've really got to tune in and see, oh, okay, if they're saying that big green thing in the garden, what's going on there and that's where um, a speech therapist can help but that sounds to me like a vocabulary issue or a word finding issue so they don't know the word lizard um, or maybe they know the word lizard but they can't access it so they're using all sorts of other kinds of compensatory mechanisms to describe to you what they're seeing that could be uh, however I want to define if we even can at this discussion to define mm-hmm. when is it that we're missing a word and when is it that the child is just focused on details and not getting the picture and sometimes it could be words that he does know or she does know but still using unimportant factors in the mm-hmm. story and missing out the big picture. So now we're hitting onto a different um, aspect of language called pragmatic language, uh, which okay. is your social, uh, the social norms of language um, and that's that's a very broad topic, and it's things like greetings, eye contact, and topic maintenance. So staying on the topic and not going off on a tangent. And lis- looking at your listener, is your listener bored and wanting to leave the conversation, or is your listener interested? And adopting your body language or adopting your topic according to, to that. And a lot of kids and adults have pragmatic language difficulties, and it is something that speech therapists work on. Right. And and. We mustn't be tricked by the fact that the child has a high level of speech mm-hmm. and lose out in these areas. Absolutely. And often children uh, do seem to convey that they have excellent expressive language skills, but because of their pragmatic difficulties, it doesn't come across in a way that's understandable or or interesting for the listener. Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, so now we can go back into the speech. So we're talking about age. We're up to already age. Oh, let's say we're about eighteen months. Eighteen months, <laughs> just a bit. And anything um, you want to add? You want to listen to? You want to ask a question or anything that our listeners want to join in? Three four five one nine is the SMS line, or you could send a telegram. Oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Talking to Nadine Breaker, speech therapist here in the community. Okay, 18 months. Okay, well, actually, I just want to jump for one second. Uh, there's a beautiful quote that I found um, that just connects very much to what we're talking about. It's, I don't know where it's from, but it says, Language is the blood of the soul into which thoughts run out and of which, out of which they grow. 
Um, and basically it's saying that language is the fundamental process of our thoughts development, our ideas. And later on for a child or an adult to have skills to explain, to have conflict resolution, to negotiate, to engage with the world, to have knowledge and to learn, these language skills that develop when, develop when the kids are so young are so critically important. And later on in the show, I would really love to give over some tips that parents can, can use with their children. That's what we do. So, <laughs> that uh, will help to, to to stimulate their children's language development in a fun way and mm. an easy way. <laughs> Practical or everything. But, yeah, we, we, we always need to have on the show something that the parents could hear and Wonderful. use and walk away with. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so from the age of two to three years, they start to understand prepositions such as in, on. So if you say to them, put your book in the bag or on the bag, they understand the difference. They understand pronouns. They understand descriptive words such as big or happy. Their sentence length is becoming longer. Their speech is becoming more and more accurate and more and more um, intelligible, meaning understandable to strangers. They can start to ask questions. They're starting to use plurals. And basically their speech from two to three as it develops to three, to four sounds more like an adult in inverted commas. Um, they start okay. to express their ideas and feelings. They start to ask the why questions, which is I know parents sometimes get really annoyed when their children start <laughs> asking why about a thousand times a day. But it is wonderful because it just shows how the child is curious about the world around them, how things work. They want to understand things. And often parents kind of say, because <laughs> I said so. But uh, sometimes the best way to respond to that is why do you think and what makes you ask that and let's think of let's talk about that and when you put the ball in their court why do you think often then they come up with the answer or they they, you, they use their own reasoning skills themselves um, and by what time is that um, supposed to be uh, that the child is naturally starting to identify and answer themselves instead of the whys and the asking it can start from four years and it continue all through childhood so and adulthood, yeah. but when are we going to get worried? <laughs> when do we get worried? I would say if a child from the age of five is really having difficulties with um, understanding complex questions, understanding complex um, ideas, uh, they're not able to express themselves clearly, they're really struggling with their vocabulary, um, then uh, that would be something to be concerned about. And just one last thing, from the age of five to six years, although their language continues to develop, um, they start to develop the pre-literacy skills. So that's part of the auditory processing skills, but we'll get into that later. We'll, we'll get that shortly. So yes. when can we expect a child to start identifying um, before he's, he engages in a conversation? When is the right time? When is the right time for? For this conversation, to ask for something, to comment from something. From four. No, so I would say from four, even from younger, from three, but just as a general rule, from four. Yeah. Okay, and what are the, what are the things that the child can identify first? Like, obviously, there's times, you know, somebody's upset, you don't intervention with them, you don't bother them. Somebody is in, not in the right mood to discuss, you keep mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody is not interested in what you're saying, then you wait until they're interested or wait for their response. So what are the first milestones in that area? Oh, we're talking about pragmatic um, development. There we go. We'll always get, we'll always <laughs> we'll always go get back there. there. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. Those social skills are subtle and they're much harder for the kids to pick up. Um, and it comes with their, their play a lot because um, when the children are playing together, you know, they'll say it's my turn, no, it's my turn, and then they'll get upset and then, you know, it causes a conflict. But even though it causes a conflict, it's a learning situation for them to start sharing, negotiating, identifying that their friend is upset and trying to, to find a way around it. That can start from as young as three. 
you know, um, even younger, you know, from two. Um, but I, I don't, I don't want parents of two-year-olds to start worrying if, <laughs> if they're right. So that's obviously when, when, yes. when to start at noticing it. From three, for sure. From three, yeah. and by four, five to question it. Yes. Say. Yes. Okay. Yes. So now let's yeah. go a bit into practical tools that we can see. If a, if a parent wants to identify this milestone their child should be in and kind of stimulate it and, mm-hmm. and see what they can add to the uh, process or value help the child. Uh, we spoke about during pregnancy already to listen, to talk to the uh, baby, to play music, etc. Afterwards, what can we do? Okay. So... I know, just to start this off for parents out there, we lead very busy lives, and sometimes it's really, really hard to incorporate this into our day-to-day routines, which is why you don't have to kind of think in your head, okay, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to stimulate my child's language development, because if you think about it like that, it's it's contrived and it's not going to happen. But if you think about it in a way that it comes across naturally in your day-to-day routines, then it's much easier to incorporate. So just a, a few things. If you speak to your child while you go about your daily routine, Routine. So, for example, you cooking supper or you at the grocery store, you exposing your child to about a thousand to two thousand words every hour, which is huge. And I would say um, about Does that apply for fathers as well and fathers. A thousand, two thousand <laughs> words. Okay. And I mean, words are like diamonds. So if they're learning even even just a few of those words are new words, then they're getting exposed to new vocabulary all the time, which will only just give them a head start in terms of their own language What age are you talking about? From young. From young. From when they're toddlers, when they won. The more you're speaking, about the chi- uh, speaking to the child while you're doing things, or if they're playing and you're describing what they're doing, um, the more that they will develop it. So I'll give you uh, an example. So if they're one years old and they point to a bus and they say, bus, okay, very nice, well done, you can expand that for them. So you can say, wow, that's a big bus, or that bus is going fast, or whatever it is. And what you're doing is you're expanding their language for them and you're modeling it for them. And you're not ever criticizing them and saying, no, it's not, or, or you, you know, say it like this. You're not being um, diminutive like that. But by you modeling it for them, they are picking it up. Okay, so uh, I've heard many opinions, opinions be- on this topic because we tend to, um, when we speak to a one-year-old, to kind of change our voice to a babyish voice. Mm-hmm. And I've heard many op- different opinions about it. Um, should we not do it? Should we do it? Do you think that it's kind of losing the the real way of pronunciation or it's fine? It's just let them get the words mm-hmm. first or... It depends on what age. So there is research in linguistics that um, a mother speaking motherese to their baby. So that's when you really make your voice in a high pitch and you're very expressive with your face. And I'm sure you can imagine moms and dads doing this with their babies. And that's been researched and proven that it really is helpful for babies to learn language because of all this extra cueing and the extra emphasis and the loud voice um, that is just helping their brain to absorb all that information. However, once your child is speaking, <laughs> and you want them to develop good language development. If they're calling it a horsey, you do not also have to call it a horsey. <laughs> you can okay. call it a horse. And then that way you're modeling for them the correct way to use that word. Okay. So, so, but, but you spoke about two different things because you talking, one thing is about the pronunciation of the word and the other thing is adding all the extra features and the tone of voice and the pitch. Yeah. So, I, if I understand correct, then we should try to keep 
the actual call, call it horse even from day one, but mm-hmm. then just say it in a much higher um, voice or with a yeah. expression or clues. So when they're babies, to use the 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 motherese is is good for their brain development. But once they've got that language development, so once they're using the word horse, you can speak to them in a normal tone of voice. Okay. So and the motherese also uh, change the pronunciation of the word. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. So, so and and that is is fine. Um, when they're little, it's yeah. okay. Okay. <laughs> we talk when I mean about little, here sorry, I mean babies, six months more or less, yeah. Okay. okay. So then, okay. Okay. Uh, sorry, and then just a few other things of helping your child to learn language. Um, so play. The more you play with your child, the better. Even doing something as simple as Lego. You don't think Lego will help with language development, but, but you can talk about the big red block, and you can talk about putting that on top of the big blue block. And all of those kind of things will help to just expand their sentences, help them understand color and shape and concept. Um, and, of course, reading. Um, now, a lot of parents say, oh, my gosh, I don't have time to read books to my kids. How do you find the time? Um, but actually, when your child is one or two, and it's just those kind of picture books with a one-liner on each page, um, I've timed myself reading that to my, well, two-year-old at the time. And it took three minutes. <laughs> it was three minutes. And it really is not a lot of time. But the, the, the input that it gives them in terms of building vocabulary, improving comprehension skills, promoting empathy, reducing stress, building self-esteem, and deepening uh, family connections are immeasurable. So if you can please find those three minutes a day, best time is in bed when the, before they go to sleep. It really is a wonderful way for them to, to learn language with a book right in front of them. And we can talk about that more after the yeah, break. Yeah, we do have to talk about that. Oh, you're already <laughs> reading the cues in the science from Craig. Well, well done. So, yeah, we do have to talk about that after the break um, because it, it's a big discussion about how busy we really are, etc. And we'll get to that shortly. Mm-hmm. 101.9, a short ad break. And when we come back, we will continue a very interesting discussion with Nadine Brinker, speech therapist here in Joburg. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 We are back. So, um, we were, right before the break, we took a, we were discussing the concept of how important it is for parents to actually be involved and, and do these steps, read a story to your child, um, verbalize, connect to them, etc. And, you know, I'd say majority of professionals that come here on the show, uh, before they ask the parents to do anything, they kind of apologize that we're very busy and we don't have time and we're living in very stressful times and we never get around it. And and I get that. I do get that, that we're very stressful times. However, okay, I'm not going to say but because that means we're contradiction, but however, um, I think there's a very big factor in this I want to discuss. As you said, Amazingly, before the break, it does take literally three minutes. And many times we measure how long things will take us according to how um, how much emotional stress it will put on us. So one thing I learned here um, in, in the community in South Africa when I came is that there are certain borderlines, an example, for the neighborhood. And then anybody whose clinic is out those borderlines is far. It doesn't matter if it's two minutes or one minute or three minutes. If you're out of the borderlines of the community, your business is far. It's not going to work. If it's in the borderlines, you could travel 10, 15 minutes, not a problem. And I'm wondering when we talk about raising our kids, 
is there an emotional aspect of what am I going I can't just go read a story now for my kids I'm, I'm drained it's hard there's so much on our heads but it's literally three minutes um, it's it's an average of two WhatsApp videos do we not have that time I don't know so well okay go ahead yeah. and answer and okay, then I'll so, ask the second question so for, um Wow. Well, the, the value of reading to your child is immeasurable. In fact, an, uh, a research, a piece of research that I came across shows that children who are read to versus children who are not read to on an almost daily basis have about a ma- one million word gap in their vocabulary knowledge. One, one million, million gap? word gap in vocabulary. I didn't even know we had a million gap, uh, million yeah, to we, start with. Well, we don't count our words, do we? That's what the researchers do. <laughs> um, and I think that's fascinating um, because when you're reading to your child, even if it is three minutes, you can ask a simple question of why do you think there's a picture of this on the cover? Or if the name of your story is, um, I don't know, I can't think of a title right now, but you can say why is the book called this? Or if there's something in the book about a bear, you can say... Before you turn the next page, what do you think the bear is going to do next? You know, and get the child to start predicting um, and using their reasoning skills. You can close the book and you can say, wow, what was that book all about? Um, and just even if it's one question, it doesn't have to be all of these things. Um, it really does promote and stimulate their language development so much. And I can only just implore parents to try and do it as much as they can. And again, we live in a stressful time. So if you can't, there are a lot of iPad apps with audiobooks that you can give to your child with the pictures and you can give them headphones and they can listen to a story that way if you are still busy at work or whatever it is and you can't give them that uh, one-on-one and it's totally okay. You can give that to them in the car to listen to because it's still going to stimulate their their um, auditory skills and their language skills. Um, w- what I'm trying to emphasize is that you don't have to set aside extra time in your day. You know, if you're bathing your kids, there is so much um, language there. You can say, let's pour the water, let's splash the water. You can do body parts as you, you know, going through washing them in the bath. Um, that, that you can just incorporate into your day-to-day routine. If you're taking your child with you to the grocery store, you can give them three items to remember and say, right, what were those three things that, you know, you needed to put in the trolley? Um, that's going to target their memory skills. You can say, um, you know, the milk is next to the cheese. Why do you think that is? You know, why is it in the fridge? And just while you're pushing in the trolley and just to engage with your children and to chat to them as much as possible. And we do live in a world where we're looking at our phones or we're looking at a screen. A lot of the time there's this distracted, um, uh, I don't know, feel sometimes amongst parents. But if we can try just focus on your day-to-day activity with your child and chatting them to them about it along the way, then you are giving them so much. Um, and that's so. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to apologize ahead of time for all the listeners that are not going to like the next question. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned and and you gave amazing tools. And while you're saying it, you're mentioning please try if you can. It's important. Emphasize. Do what you can. But will we tell our mother try to make breakfast? <laughs> and is it that far off? Is it not something fundamental our children need? I think it's fundamental. Our children need to be engaged with. They need to have our presence. And even if it's 
Okay, here I am again saying even if, but if, if, as much as we can give to them, um, never mind for their language development, but for their emotional development, for their resilience. Um, and then once their language is in place, you know, their vocabulary, their grammar, etc., it's all those higher-order language skills called executive fun- functioning, which they need. Um, things like uh, being, having self-control, things like planning, things like being organized, things like finding a topic and sequencing that topic so there's a beginning and a middle and an end. Well, we, we don't realize. No, but what I'm that. saying is that right. we don't realize that we're giving that to our children when we are engaging with them and having a conversation with them. So whether they're sitting with us at our Friday night table and we think, oh no, the conversation is too adult for them, go and play. Not necessarily. If they're sitting at that table, they are picking up on ideas, concepts, vocabulary. They are starting to question things and get curious about the more adult uh, world around them. And for them, that is amazing. It really mm. is amazing. I heard from one of the teachers, um, one of the kindergarten teachers, because one of the things we do in the community is that in, everywhere in the world that there's an Ima and Abba of Shabbos every Friday. And um, I'm sure many of us are familiar with it. So mm-hmm. one of the teachers told me that once she allocated a boy to be the the Abba Shil Shabbat, the father of Shabbos in his kindergarten, and the child, as soon as he gets his position, he sits down in the chair and looks at the teacher and says, Oof, what a week that was. <laughs> and, and, but that's a completely different topic. <laughs> However, I, I, I do want to say on this topic that I think there's also another side to it. And for some parents, maybe it's a bit stressful to put all these things into the day routine. So maybe let it go, but then make sure to have 20 minutes or 10 minutes a day. So either you're a parent that you don't have the 10, 20 minutes to focus on it, so then spread it out through the day and do it consistently, mm-hmm. or the other way around, just let it go and be calm about it, but then it's like breakfast, it's like lunch. You need to give the child this time somehow. Well, here's something really simple. So instead of saying to your child, let's go to the bathroom to brush your teeth, you can say, it's time to brush our teeth, where do we need to go? Or what do you need to pick up? And what do you do next? Um, you can say, it's dark in here. What should we do? Instead of just saying, please turn on the light. And that way, it's really just trying to get their, their thinking going, which is so much better for them. And then you're engaging in communication. Absolutely. In an amazing way. Absolutely. Okay. So um, we do have to take another ad break. Um, in the middle, when we come back, we will continue the fascinating discussion with Nadine Bricker, speech therapist in the community. And any comment you have, 34519, any question, anything, maybe I shouldn't give this out after the comments I made. I don't know, 0618951019 is the telegram number. Short break, and we will be right back. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, G. we are back to the last final moments of today's show. And what we haven't really touched on is, I'd say, hearing. Um, hearing is key. Hearing is critical. If a child has hearing problems or hearing difficulties, it will be that much harder uh, for them to pick up language and speech skills, which, which we know. Are you so, saying that as a speech or as a... Uh, an audiologist. Well, I am an well. audiologist, but I don't practice as an <laughs> okay, audiologist. So as a speech therapist. Um, so what they're doing in the hospitals now is before the baby gets discharged, they have to have a, a hearing screening, um, which is mostly accurate, but sometimes there is still amniotic fluid sitting in the ear. So then it might not be accurate, in which case the baby would have to come back at a, six weeks for a check. Um, and then as the baby grows, they sometimes the children get a lot of ear infections. Now, we don't always know that a child has an ear infection and 
unless they have a raging temperature. And what often happens is that the middle ear gets full of fluid and it's this popping sensation in the ear and the ear is a little bit blocked, but the child doesn't necessarily complain. Um, either because they're used to it or because it's just not bothering them. But it is causing a mild hearing loss, and then they're not picking up language from around them. Um, that's so why I, the schools this, okay. do annual hearing screenings, which is really important. Okay. So. And I have to say that I have recommended before many times to parents, when suddenly your child is becoming agitated, upset, uh, frustrated, um, not following rules even, and instead of running to to all kinds of conclusions, I'd say start with the basic, and one of them is hearing tests. Absolutely, absolutely. And and your GP, often just by looking in the ear with an otoscope, they can see that there's the ear infection or not. But if it's more chronic, then you might need to see an ENT or an audiologist to have it monitored on a more regular basis. Okay. And 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 it's good you're saying about an ENT and, and going deeper. I, I, I know from my experience, one of my kids um, had an ear infection that the doctor couldn't see, and we actually took him to hospitalize only because he became um, a, a patty, as we say in Hebrew, I'm sure, same thing. And and really just basically your messages, I think, is be very aware and not to date what's happening to, with your child. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's one more thing I would just like to say, just on a bit of a different note, and that is um, in terms of developing your child's oral motor skills. Um, so when they're little and the, the tongue does come forward, when I say little, they're babies, so that they can suck on the bottle and they can drink their milk. But as they grow, that tongue retraction, meaning the tongue comes back in the mouth. Um, when parents give their, their babies, their toddlers, sippy cups, Please, please, please don't give your child sippy cups, okay? Because what that's doing is that's promoting the forward positioning of the tongue more and more. And then what that's encouraging later on is that the child will produce interdental speech, meaning that their tongue comes forward between their teeth. Um, so if you want your child to progress from a bottle to some kind of drinking cup, please can you find a cup that has a drinking straw? Because once they master using a straw and sucking up their, their water or whatever it is, then you're getting that tra- tongue retraction. And that is what we need for good um, speech development where the tongue is behind the teeth during speech and not in between or forward. Well, I have to say that's new to me as well about the sippy cup. So uh, it's uh, and if you're in doubt, please ask your local speech therapist. <laughs> okay, or you, they can email you. They can email me. How does anybody anybody hearing the show? How did they get in contact with you? Okay, my uh, email address is nadine.bricker at gmail.com. I have a Facebook page called Love to Learn to Talk, and my cell phone number is oh seven two one four three one eight three two. Okay. And anything uh, you want to know, you can continue because I, I can testify because I'm in the studio and I see the amount of uh, topics and discussions that Nidin was ready to discuss um, is much greater than what we actually got to. But as all great shows, uh, this great show has come to an end. So for now, I think we are done. That was Nadine Breaker, speech therapist in the community. Thank you very much for being with us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. And in the meantime, I guess we will have to say goodbye. We will be back, please God, next Monday, 2 to 3. I really hope we will be back. I know it's a fast day. I know it's air of porn, but I really hope we will be back 2 to 3. In the meantime, keep safe and do something good for somebody.